Hey, it's Jed Hearn, host of Wizards, Warriors, and Words. If you're enjoying the writing advice on this show, you might like my new podcast, The Jed Hearn Show, where every week I share the best fantasy writing advice that I've learned from publishing three fantasy novels and a best-selling video game. There's over 12 episodes that you can listen to right away, including my top 10 fantasy books of all time, how to make fantasy names that don't suck, two rules that make writing effortless, and my complete summaries of Brandon Sanderson's and Neil Gaiman's writing classes, and much more. Check it out by searching for The Jed Hearn Show in your podcast app. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hello and welcome to Wizards, Warriors and Words, a fantasy writing advice podcast. I'm Jed Hearn, author of Across the Broken Stars, and I'm joined by my co-hosts, starting with Dirk Ashton. I'm Dirk Ashton, author of the Paternus Trilogy, currently writing something tentatively titled Kraken Rider Z. Was it tentacly titled? Tentacly <laughs> titled. Very good. I'm going to use that. I mean... I made a smart one. Well played, Mike. Good. I'm done for the week. I don't have to do. Bye, Mike. No No more writing needed from you. (laughs) (laughs) I'm out. I'm out. Um, Got to go out in a high note. It's my only chance. And our last host is Michael R. Fletcher, the absolute pun master you just heard then. (laughs) Yeah. Hello. I'm Michael R. Fletcher, author of the Obsidian Path Trilogy, which will be complete. Nice. On May 15th and available all three books. May 15th. That's like not long after this episode comes out. This episode will come out on the 9th, I think. Either the 9th or the 2nd. Um, so, yeah, if you are listening to this, then get ready. Get ready for the end. But, of course, Jed it's is in Australia, and the dates are all different there. That's so. right. That's right. It's, it's a, a Wednesday here dimension. for the other hosts. It's a Sunday for me. That's, yeah, it's actually still back in, like, the 18th century in Australia. So, yeah, it's the time, the space-time continuum is, is all over the place today. Um, but fortunately we, we've, we've made it through. So before we get into today's episode, which is going to be a listener questions episode, um, we've got a couple of patrons that we want to shout out. So, uh, thank you very much to Elizabeth, Rowena and Tom for joining our patron, uh, and helping support Yay, the show. Thank you. Thank you very much. I mean, ha ha. I mean, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. You're going to have to be exposed to even more Wizards, Warriors and Words content. Um, so yeah, cop that, I guess. <laughs> um, no, nah, thanks for joining. Uh, as I mentioned in a recent episode, we're going to be trying to put up more bonus uh, shows on the Patreon. Um, we'll still be uploading once a week to our regular feed, but we're going to try to create some extra episodes for our Patreon. So yeah, if you 
haven't got enough of your Jed, Mike, Dirk, and Rob fix for the week, um, you can continue to satiate your addiction by checking out our patron at uh, patreon.com forward slash wizards warriors words. And the link to that will also be down below. All right. Listener questions. Um, so the first one uh, is actually a question from one of our patrons uh, about maps. So uh, here's the comment. New listener and very small time patron supporter. I'm not an author, although I'm getting close to the point of plunging in and writing something, but I enjoy it as a fan of the genre. The question I have is what are people's thoughts about maps in fantasy books? Me, I've always loved maps of all sorts, so I enjoy having them. However, if the author is doing their job correctly, I will still enjoy a book and not feel lost despite the lack of a map. I read a a post by Joe Abercrombie on maps and why he doesn't like them. Now, I loved his books, but I also would have loved a map. At at some points, I felt as though he was trolling the reader because I remember one scene where characters were looking at a map uh, and my edition (laughs) of Best Served Cold had a map on the cover, which is very accurate. Um, Yeah, the other thing he asks is like, how much detail should you have in maps? Uh, You know, you don't want something where it doesn't include, say, the main character's homeland or a city that plays a key role is what he's saying. Um, And also his question is like, how do maps work in eBooks? Because Obviously, in a physical book, you can always flip back to the map and it's pretty big. In an ebook, it's sort of annoying to kind of go across um, and, to, and to check it out. So that is a question from one of our patrons, Matt. Thanks for sending it in. Uh, yeah, let's... Uh, Dirk, do you want to kick off the discussion? How do you feel about maps? Um, sure. I'll address the last one first. Um, uh, it's not a problem putting them in ebooks. Um, Make it a chapter. Make it make it a uh, so that it has its own heading. So anybody can go to the table of contents and pull up the the uh, the map at any time. The only problem with having them in ebooks, if people are reading them on a, on a reader, is they're small. Um, so if most of your readership is going to be that way, you might want to break it up into larger pieces. Or um, I don't know. I don't know. Can you put them in sideways? Yes, I guess if you yeah. turn it sideways, it still yeah. turns sideways, right? Yeah, you can yeah. put it in sideways. Um, so yeah, I don't see a problem with that. As far as the amount of detail, I would just say, look at maps in books that you like. If you've read the book and you thought the map was cool and you liked it, do it like that one. Put that much stuff in, right? Um, I mean, uh, you, he's obviously, or the... the uh, the person who asked the question is, what was their name again? Matt. Matt, um, you obviously have already thought about what really ought to be in there. So, you know, just put in, uh, really, when it comes right down to it, maps are for authors. Authors who like maps put maps in their books. Um, so put in one you like and, uh, and your, uh, your readers will like it too. What do you reckon, Mike? Uh, so I'm I'm not a map guy. Um, when there's a map in a book, uh, I will glance at it on my way to the first chapter. Uh, but at no point will I ever return to it and look at it. I'm the same way. Uh, I like them and I go, uh, same, I go, ooh, neat. But I never really go back to it. Yeah. Same with like uh, glossaries, cast of characters. Those uh, I will look at. Sometimes. All that stuff. Uh, see, if I have to look at it, that means the writer has failed. Uh, or, you know, I'm just not smart enough to read that book. That's also possible. (laughs) Um, however, I do know 
that writers, uh, writers, readers, a lot of readers like maps. Uh, so a lot of people have asked me for maps for like the Obsidian Path series because it's, you know, kind of a travelogue e story a little bit. Uh, so in the very last book, you're going to get all the maps. Um, you know, I, like Dirk said, they're small, even in the print. Uh, you know, they're not huge. So my approach is very much like Dirk's. Um, uh, I've got like the big world map, which you can look at. You know, it'll be kind of too small to get much detail, you know, either on an e-reader or even in a six by nine paperback. Uh, but then there'll be, you know, half a dozen other maps where it's blown up into little areas. Um, and really, it'll be at the end of the book because my assumption is you don't need it. Um, and it's, it's extra material. You know, so it's it'll be there for those who like it and who want to sort of get a, a better look at the world. But um, that ain't me. Fair enough. I um I didn't have I I don't have any maps in any of the Paternus books. But when I did the Kickstarter for the special limited edition, um, one of the stretch goals for book two and for book three were maps, and I did have those done, and they're very cool. But um, I had them done of just. A specific area in the in the third book. There's this enormous battle that takes up over a third of the book, so it's of that battlefield. Nice. So people can mm-hmm. look and see where different people go. In in book two, they spend a lot of time in um, in New Vanaheim, the uh, the the hidden magical valley of of Freya, and uh, there's a lot of things that happen there. So I I just did a map of that, doing it of the world. It takes place on this world and like 25 others. So you can either look at the globe or I, I just couldn't supply maps for all, all the rest. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> yeah. One, one thing I wanted to do um, in the Obsidian Path book, which I, I never actually managed to pull off. I had this idea where uh, the one character, the, the two characters are sitting in a bar because that happens uh, talking and the one doesn't know the world. And so the other one who is really quite drunk uh, sketches out a really quick world map for him. But it's bad. And so I actually, I approached <laughs> that's, uh, that's Felix. That's awesome. That's a cool idea. I like it. And I was like, I need you to do the hand-drawn map, map for me. Drunken, drunk guy's like hand-drawn a map. drunken guy <laughs> did a hand-drawn map. I love and it. And the fucker refused. <laughs> he refused? Like, no. Yeah, he was like, he's like, I'm not the right guy for Phil that. Was like, this like, is beneath me, Mike. Draw me a map. <laughs> yeah. Like, I will pay you to get drunk and draw a map for me. Come that's on. So and he said no. <laughs> he said no. Damn, Mike, you should have done I that. I tell yourself. you what, though, I'm going to be, be very, very and, disappointed uh... if this if this map does not have an obsidian path. <laughs> nah, well, it's at the end of the book. See, the thing is, I would I would love to put the path in, um, but I don't want to spoil it. For yeah, people, that would be a good spoil. Same time, so put it at yeah. the at the back of book three. It is. That's where it's, that's well, where the maps are going. Back of book three. Then what are you but worried people about? People will jump back there and look at now it. Now that you've told them, yeah. <laughs> they could just go read the last yeah. chapter if they want to spoil it. That's it. Yeah, there's, there's that. I'm not putting in the last chapter. <laughs> I'm not doing that. That is spoil <laughs> <laughs> They might go read that first. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. Maybe, maybe keep the last two chapters That's there. That's it. You can never be too safe. Just I'm not giving them the first one, one either. Time. Oh, fuckers. You can't have my book. <laughs> Make them have to successfully. If you read this, you'll know how it on ends. The previous chapter. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you'll spoil it for yourself by reading the That's whole it. book. 
I think we're onto something here. I think we this got, is going to make writing books a yeah, lot easier. We won't have to do like half the work. This is awesome. Yeah. <laughs> we won't have to fi- figure out how to end things. Can just, uh, yeah. Yeah, no, all we do now is we talk about books without actually writing yeah, them. And that way no one can get No, involved. no, no. We tell so people we... we write them. We just don't. Uh, yeah. <laughs> the secret is out. Um, <laughs> wrapping up on maps, I got a couple of other things. I feel like definitely as a reader, I will be like 20% more likely to buy a book if it has a nice map at the start. Um, like to me, it's one of those nice to have things that does kind of push you over a bit. Not so much just because I care about the map, but because I suppose to me, the map like represents the kind of level of realism and detail that the author has put into the world. And if I see a really nice map at the start of a book and by nice map, I mean a continent that isn't a rectangle that fits the same page size that the book is in, which is my personal hell when it comes to maps, but rather something that looks tectonically logical and actually has realistic geography. I like two-page spread maps. Two-page spreads are good. Um, To me, it's just one of those things in the same way as like interior illustrations in a book or like, you know, little um, pieces of arcana throughout it that tells me this author has developed a fleshed out world. Um, and Mike is holding up a book. What is this? So this is the German version of Beyond Redemption. Oh, nice. mm-hmm. And you open it up. And- oh, oh, that's pretty. Yeah. So Mike oh, is. Colors. I do. Lo- I do love oh, those. But again, it's funny though. I, I'm like, oh, look at that. That's cool. And I'll kind of glance over it, and then I'll never look at it again. While yeah. I'm reading the book. <laughs> I love the fact that I have it. Yes. Even if I don't ever look at it again. Just for our uh, audio-only listeners, Mike, do you want to describe real quickly what that was? It was gorgeous. It was sexy. Yeah, it was it Mike's <laughs> author photo. Um. <laughs> oh, okay. So that was uh, the, German, the German release of Beyond Redemption. Uh, German publishers, they just spend more on the books. Everything is better built. It's thicker paper. It's heavy. It's gorgeous. Uh, front cover opens up into a full page spread map. And because it's the front cover opening, it's there's, you don't lose anything in the fold of the book. It's the actual cover itself that opens up. It's just, it's gorgeous. I kind of wish I could read German. Nice. <laughs> yeah, that's, a, that's definitely a cool way of doing it. I, d- I think, yeah, to your point, Dirk, it's definitely one of those things where I won't refer to it often. I do feel like, Something similar to like in the Stormlight Archive because there is a lot of different traveling between oh places. God. Here we go, Mike. Here you go. Um, <laughs> I won't mention the author's name so that you don't get triggered. Uh, there is a lot of traveling between different places, and I do find myself often looking back to the map, and it is nice to have that. Um, yeah, in my own books, I've only had it in one book, which was this one here. Um, I think I could have done better with this map, uh, but for something that was sort of just like. A personal effort. I was reasonable. All he had was a crayon. Um, oh, yeah, all I don't I know. That looks pretty cool. That looks pretty cool to me. Thank you. So this is the yeah. map at the start of the Thunder Heist. Uh, it's basically a map of the Twisted Seas and kind of an easy one to make because it's just like this sea that's in the middle of this monster-infested land. So it was mostly just about like putting different islands on there, putting shading, making it all look cool. Um, and then my favorite part, which is just coming up with like cool sounding names for different places in it that sounds suitably interesting. <laughs> um, yeah, so I definitely think that does add something to it. And the way that I kind of got around Dirk's issue of oh, like- Showing off maps. Oh yeah, what is this? <laughs> oh, heck yeah. Oh, nice. So Dirk, can you describe that? Dirk is gone. He doesn't have his headphones on. He can't That's hear fair. shit. 
Um, I'll wait till he gets it back on and then we could describe it. Dirk, can that you just describe what that was? The limited edition of uh, book two, Paternus Wrath of Gods. Nice. It looks so that's like, like a, I had it framed. I just got it back, so I had to show it off. That looks awesome. Um, yeah. 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 With showing maps in ebooks, I noticed that Philip C. Quantrail, I think that's how you just say his name, in Rise of the Ranger, um, he has his world map at the start of the book. And then on the next four pages, he has like individual quadrants of the world map blown up a bit. So you can actually see in more detail like what's going on, which is a kind of cool approach because usually Kindle screens are pretty small. The other thing you can do as well, which is what I did for this, is on one of the opening pages of the book, I've got a thing that says like, uh, what is it? Like visit this page of my website for high resolution copies of the art. Um, and that's basically a way for like, if you're reading on the ebook and you don't want to have to keep flicking back and forth, then yeah, go to that page. The page is uh, jedhern.com forward slash thunder heist art. Um, and that way you can make sure that readers are going to get a good experience. And um, yeah, I've noticed also that's a good tactic for getting email list signups because a lot of people go to that page, you know, reading the book and they see that, oh, like I can get a free story set in this world if I sign up to this author's email newsletter. So that is a good way to kind of get like additional traffic and promotion for that. All right. So uh, thanks for your question, Matt. Next question is, um, how does music influence our writing? I was wondering if music had an influence on your guys' writing. I've recently started writing a book and I've noticed that music is a heavy influence for me. Uh, so much so that I've built a soundtrack to the story and even mini soundtracks to each character. So my question is, what are some things that you guys listen to to get in the flow? Um, or what are some songs that have influenced your story and characters? And that question comes from Jared, who is also a patron of the show. Mike, do you want to kick it off as the resident musician amongst yeah, us? Yeah, sure. Uh, so yeah, I, I play music, record music. Um, I listen to music when writing pretty much all of the time. Uh, for me, I'm a total metalhead. Uh, I have a nice speaker set up, nice system, sound system in the office here, massive subwoofer under the desk. So I listen to crushing death metal. Um, basically I blot out the real world with a wall of rage, um, so that I can't hear anything, people, kids, cars outside. I can't hear any of that. Uh, and for me, it's all about getting into the mood, into the headspace. Um, often I will end up, a book will have kind of a band. Um, and so I will, I'll create a, like a, a playlist, which is basically all one band. Like I'll just dump their entire discography in there and drop it on scramble and infinite re repeat while I'm writing. Um, in the past, so in flames, silosis, uh, hypocrisy a lot, uh, early on, there was a lot of slayer. So kind of just, just heavy shit for me, but music is for sure, for sure. Huge, like, uh, getting in the mood and also just sort of, uh, it's part of my, my writing environment. Nice. And also we should mention if you want to listen to some of Mike's, oh, do you mind if I plug your band? Are you cool with that? No, no, no. Um, cool. Yeah, I didn't, didn't bring this up with him before, but Mike actually has some of his songs that he's uh, created on Spotify and probably other, other music platforms or just Spotify? 
Uh, yeah, I don't know. Mostly it's on Spotify. I usually post it on YouTube as well. But uh, the band is called Blackstone Heart, and you can find us on YouTube or Spotify. We kind of sporadically post stuff. I think we may have a new drummer soon, which will be very nice. Cool. Nice. So are you doing like regular gigs and stuff? Or are you mostly like getting together and jamming? What's the what's the kind of band life uh, like? Nope. So we work purely digitally. Um, I will. I record uh, most of the. I like pretty much all of the music here at my place. Um, guitars, bass, keys, piano, any of that shit. Um, previously I'd been, um, programming drums. Um, uh, but we have, uh, looks like we might have a live drummer cool. now. Uh, so I would send a kind of a two track mix down of my music to, uh, Nico. Um, often he would write lyrics. Sometimes I write lyrics. Uh, he does all the, the death metal <laughs> vocals. Um, so he'd, he'd sing over it. He'd, um, basically send me back just his vocal tra- tracks and then I'd, I'd drop those into uh, my, my workstation and you know mix them in uh, if the song needs clean vocals uh, like not death metal vocals then I'll sing those and yeah it's fun purely just shits and giggles we're never gonna gig there's never gonna be a show it's just for fun. So what I'm hearing is concert next week and uh, you can buy tickets concert through our exclusive sure. link. It's going to be huge. Yeah, it's going to be a month. Uh, I think uh, Adele is opening for us. Oh, nice. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, that's pretty good for her. <laughs> that'll, that'll be good for her career. Well, Mike, yeah, Mike, she, sing, she needs Mike does boost. sing a beautiful soprano. <laughs> oh. yeah, it's, it's amazing. Nice. Um, so, Jeff, what about <laughs> what about you, Dirk? What is uh, what role does music play in your writing? I I do listen to music when I write all the time as well. Um, I wrote a lot of book one at coffee shops, uh, so it was just background noise. I'm able to like block out sound as long as it's like a constant sound. So in a coffee shop, it's just like a constant murmur and you know coffee machines going off, and I'm able to block that out. And uh, I find that when I'm listening, but now for book two and book three, or then, book three's been out since 2020, um, I, uh, uh, all through book two, I listened to nothing. Every time I would sit down, I would go to my playlist of all three extended soundtrack editions of The Lord of the Rings. Nice. And I would start that. And that would just loop and it goes on for a long time, but that would just loop. And I wrote every day that I wrote, which was every day. That's all I listened to. And there was something about, there's something about that. You'd think that might get boring or, or terrible or whatever, but there's something about that that would put me in the mood. As soon as I turned that on, my head would go into, okay, time to write. And I may not even be listening, but I might find myself, you know, going along with the mood and I don't, I may not even really hear it. Um, and then for, for book three, I listened to all like, um, uh, kind of Gregorian chants. Well, yeah, actually that was one of them. Uh, it was, uh, it was a big long playlist that, um, uh, plus a Pandora that would, um, just play all this like meditational stuff, but a lot of it was Hindu, African um, chants, um, uh, just meditational kind of music, not like new age stuff, but 
more um, influenced by older things. And I listened to that basically and heard the same songs over and over um, the entire time I wrote book three. Right now I'm listening to 80s girl bands um, on Pandora. And I mix it up a little bit by adding another title, you know, add in Bananarama and, and uh, you know, and it, that, that'll bring in some more things. And um, because it's a different type of story. So that puts me in the mood to write for that. Even though it's very repetitive, it's just really a mood thing. And it's just a, a sound thing. But music played a really big role in, in the Paternus trilogy because I wanted music to be very important to the characters. Um, so they all have kind of an instrument that they, that they like, though some of them can play a whole hell of a lot more of them than, well, they all could if they wanted to. But, um, uh, and the world tree sings, you know, Yggdrasil sings, um, Freya sings. Um, they actually have a concert to get the, to get the troops, you know, uh, to entertain the troops before they go in for the big final battle. And I pick a big eclectic wide range of, of things that they do. And that, that actually didn't end up in the book. Um, but I added that, uh, uh, an outline of that with all the songs that each character did, uh, for the limited edition of the third book. That's and cool. those are all, all that stuff's available, um, up on, um, up on my website paternusbooks.com but yeah so that was that was a lot of fun and there was one really important song that was written that i said was written by one of the characters brian baru's march um which is supposedly one of the oldest um existing songs around um so that that kind of stuff played music has has played a a big role not so much in in the new thing that I'm writing because it's just kind of a different world, but but yeah, that's me and music and writing. Nice, cool. you Jed? Yeah, it definitely plays a huge role for me as well. Um, I create like a Spotify playlist for each project that I'm writing, um, and I try to like put songs in there that sort of uh, yeah represent the mood or the tone that I'm going for. It's never anything with lyrics because I find that distracting. Um, it's always kind of like instrumental you know, epic trailer music kind of stuff. So a lot of Two Steps From Hell, Audio Machine, um, a couple of those other bands as well. Uh, you can actually look up, I'll put a link to uh, my playlist for a few of my books um, in the show notes down below if you want to listen to those. But yeah, for example, for Siege of Treblin, I had about seven hours of songs in there. Um, yeah, just a lot of like epic sounding stuff, like some movie tracks, a few Game of Thrones tracks, Lord of the Rings stuff. Um, yeah, a lot of those things. I find that music is really, really good for getting you into the headspace for writing as well. Um, just having the routine of only really listening to that when I'm writing means that you can yeah. switch in to focus super quickly. Um, and I also even use it sometimes, uh, if I want to write a particularly like emotional scene or whatever, I literally have a playlist, um, called bittersweet glory instrumental. Uh, and it's basically like what I would listen to at the end of a book when I'm writing it. And actually I listened to it when I was writing like the end of Across the Broken Stars on loop. And if you've read the end of that book, you will know why that is an appropriate uh, playlist title. So I find it really useful to get into the mood. Sometimes as well, I don't know if you guys have this experience where you're writing to a particular track and 
you just like fall into this amazing flow state where you start going really fast because you're sort of trying to match like the rhythms of the music and the music is fast and it's making you write fast and you're feeling like very energetic in that moment. If I find myself doing that, I will quite often just like hit loop on that track and I will listen to like that one piece of music for an hour, maybe two hours at a time. I've done that. Um, so recently I was listening to, I think it was The Exchange, which is one of the songs from Mission Impossible 6. Uh, and it just has like, you know, the great Mission Impossible riff in there. Um, and it's just like very fast paced, very percussive. And yeah, like that just helped me crank out like, I think I was probably writing like 800 words per hour for like one or two hours just listening to that song. So yeah, sometimes when you find yourself in that state, really, really good to just, just flow with it. So yeah, you can check out that uh, couple of my playlists in the links down below. Would you guys be interested in putting your links there as well? Don't have to if you don't want to. Yeah, I don't create playlists. Cool. Uh, I don't do it's far, um, There's no pressure. There's absolutely yeah, I don't, pressure. I don't either. I don't have, I don't have playlists. Um, but one thing I forgot about was that uh, I did when I was writing book one and book two, not so much book three, because it was that was such a monster to write and I didn't have as much time. If I would hear a song uh, that I thought would make a great soundtrack piece, I would put write it down and write the scene. And sometimes I would go play those songs um, while I was was doing that scene and it would help me. Nice. Um, but uh, yeah. It's the, 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 the same sort of thing that you were talking about. I think the other benefit as well is like, it just gives you a bit more of a dopamine hit when you're writing because uh, it can be quite a difficult experience to just sort of sit there in silence and like try to make words come out. But if you know that when you get to do that experience, you get to play some cool songs and you get to like visualize these scenes in your head or maybe be reminded of your favorite movies, it makes it a bit more appealing to actually sit down and do the work. Um, yeah. And I, and like, he, like, like you said, I only listen to that kind of music when I'm writing. Yeah. I listen to something else when I'm just messing around, organizing books or cleaning or, or doing my day job, schoolwork stuff. Yeah, I think that's a good way of looking at it. Um, all right, we were going to do a third listener question, but this episode's gone a little bit long, so we might pause it there and then come back to that question at some stage in the future. Uh, thank you for listening or watching to this show. If you want to help support us on Patreon, uh, and also get priority access when, you know, we are doing these listener question episodes uh, and also get some bonus episodes once we get those up there as well. Feel free to head on over to patreon.com forward slash wizards worries words. The link will be down below. Um, so yeah, you can go check that out. And there'll also be links down below to the maps from the Thunder Heist book and my writing playlist and anything else that we choose or remember to chuck in there. So <laughs> we'll see how that goes. Um, Thank you, everybody, and we'll see you next week. Thank you. Right, ciao. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Mm. 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 Mm